Welcome back to oh, In the Doghouse. We have finally kicked Dakota off. And instead, <laughs> officially, we have two of our other amazing coaches, Colette and Leisha, both on here with us. Thanks for joining. And Justin, I suppose, as always. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks well, for having us. So sassy. Colette, I feel like you're the next one that's going to have the Dakota-like issues. I don't want to jinx you, but, but I just feel like you're not going to get through this episode. That's your theme song. Oh yeah, that was good. We had we had side texts going on about you today. We had side yeah. texts. Anywhere that he forgoes now, he's going to be known as Skater Boy with this new you better hair. Hope, you better hope that that our listeners actually watch on YouTube. Otherwise, they're going to have no idea what the context is for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow in my like technology not savvy personality, I'm gonna figure out how to make this go viral. Colette, let's talk, and we'll make it happen. Okay, oh, Lisa. <laughs> you put the wrong person on the podcast. Lisa's audio is a little. Hmm. Lisa, your um, your headphones are giving like a reverb or like a yeah. vibration, like a little robot vibe. How about Sorry. now? No, still a little bit. Not great. Oh no! <laughs> I also have a cold. Oh no! It's no, definitely no, no, not it's a not cold. Voice. No, it's not a, okay. No, your voice is wonderful. How about now? So good. Much better. All right. So one of the things that we've been trying to do is uh, do a better job of rotating through getting all of our coaches on the podcast because we have such good discussions on the side and y'all have so much to say, but we haven't had the chance to have everybody on the platform. So we had Casey on the last couple of weeks. We've had Dakota on. Dakota never works out. Um, (laughs) And I thought it would be really cool to have the two of you on because I think that we are really fortunate with underdogs to actually have female coaches on staff. And I think there are a lot of companies that are working with CrossFit on the competitive side that don't necessarily have that. And I think that it adds a really can add a unique perspective, both for some of the athletes, but I also just think maybe the entry point to getting to this point in coaching. And so I thought it was a cool opportunity to chat more about it, learn more about the two of you, your backgrounds, obviously both athletically and as gym owners and whatnot, y'all have some awesome accolades. So, uh, Without further ado, I get to shut up now. We get to listen to y'all. Justin will jump in, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Um, introduce yeah. yourselves, guys. Just, you know, let everybody know who you are. Or let the, what? how many we have? 10, 12 people watching have, at the moment? Well, we yes, have seven. Well, let's go. Oh. But I am one of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> we will get at least 100, uh, at least a couple hundred views. We're just going to tell everybody time. that we have. Ricky. New people on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put Ricky's face on the on the cover. We'll of the put YouTube Ricky and Alex on on, and <laughs> yeah. then we'll put like a video of Alex about to bench press, and then everyone will join. And then <laughs> that is so impressive. That's crazy. It's unreal. It's unreal. Sense. And you know what? I love that Hiller made a video about it. He was because I think all publicity hilarious. is good publicity. Oh, but yeah, he, you, you can tell, tell he loves her. He, he thinks she's awesome. Yeah, it's so funny. And then Sevon coming to her uh, to her defense on on the social media. Oh my god, that was hilarious. She is she is a specimen of an athlete. Yeah, pretty awesome. Um, anyway, back to our specimens of coaches right here and athletes. Uh, so me, go, go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Colette, 
want to start and I'll just piggyback right off of you. You go. Okay. Okay. okay there we go. All right. Uh, my name's Colette. Um, I've been with underdogs for a little bit over a year, I think somewhere in there. Um, background in coaching. Um, just so you guys know, I did write my, my thesis statement, my master's degree on being a female coach in a male dominated environment. So I shared Leisha on a Google doc that I have. So I'm not, this is not a man hating, um, podcast whatsoever. It's more about the journey and why I think that there are so few women, I think in the sport of CrossFit, but I think in sports, um, at a higher level in general, um, my background from coaching started right in soccer. Um, so I kind of, you know, I loved playing, I loved being part of a team. I loved all the aspects of just team sport. And so when I was done, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and one of my mentors was like, have you ever thought of coaching? And that kind of just got my foot in the door with things. And I think like when you first start out coaching, you have to really love it because there's a lot of the like non-glamorous things, which I think send people out the door right away, like either really early mornings, really late nights, all of that kind of stuff being, especially in soccer, being on a field for 10 hours a day, um, you know, like nonstop. So <clears throat> you guys know what that's like within the gym environment as well. But, um, you know, my background with soccer, got into coaching collegiate athletics and then, you know, from there found CrossFit. I started doing it as like, honestly, an athletic, um, outlet for myself just to have some alone time outside of soccer. And I ended up loving it. Um, and then I was in California at the time and, uh, one of the owners of the gym was like, Hey, you know, I need a manager to run this facility. Would you want to do it? And I think at that time in college soccer, I had been, <clears throat> I had been an assistant coach for so long. I was coaching a lot of club and like Olympic development program stuff, but I really like hesitated on making the step into wanting to be a head coach myself because I knew I'd either have to move or I'd have to go somewhere I really didn't want to be um, to take that job. So um, I got into CrossFit, started managing a gym, was definitely in over my head, but I think that's the best way for me to learn. And then started competing and getting in that way. And then, you know, I've managed gyms um, for other people, um, just coached a lot since like, I think it was like 2013 is when I, when I found CrossFit. And then here I am now. So that's, that's my short bio. I think you can also read that on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she just read it from the website. Hey, yeah, I have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, you're up. I'm up. Um, so my background, I'm going to start, like, I owned a gym in Philly uh, for about 12 years. So I'll start kind of up front and then kind of work my way backwards. Um, new to underdogs, like new, new. Um, anyway, so my my history has to do with, I started out, like, in sports, I would say, probably around the high school age, I was a cross country runner. Then I ended up playing softball, um, did a little track and field soccer. I got into powerlifting, which was, I, there's, we could go down a rabbit hole, I think on this topic. Um, and I would like to share a little story with that a little later on there, but I started powerlifting back in 1996 um, and then loved it, excelled did a little dabbling in college. I coached right after high school, graduated in 1996. Um, it's about 1999. And then just kind of, I would say went south. Like I, a little selfish with my lifestyle and I didn't really play a lot of sports, some intramural stuff here and there. And then in 2003, I found rugby. So I put myself back on a club side team 
and played for almost seven years. And that's actually how I found CrossFit. I knew I was going to retire in 2008. And so, I'm sorry, 2009. I knew I was going to retire in 2009. So in 2008, I found CrossFit, got injured, came back to CrossFit in 2009. And I loved it. I loved it so much. My academic background is in graphic design. So I've always considered myself an artist, like seeing, doing, drawing, that kind of that kind of art. And then with sports, there's actually a big correlation to visibility, like seeing pattern and seeing shapes and seeing movement. And I think like once I kind of matured and calmed down a little bit um, after playing rugby, I knew that I wanted to continue being a part of something and I really liked working out. Um, so I found CrossFit again back in 2009. And then ever since then, I could not stop obsessing over the details of CrossFit, I, like from the gym space to people cultivating, like how the, like the microcosms that develop within your gym, um, people that feel left out, the people that feel included, the people that like rise to the top, maybe they were popular in high school. Like it just runs a big social experiment to be a coach in general. Um, so in 2009, I was asked to start shadowing um, the gym that I was at. And I was there probably until August of 2011. And then I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And with a business partner, I started a gym back in 2011 and then just stepped out of that role in uh, 2023 in January. So I just, I, I don't know. I love it. I try to compete. Um, I do my best. I'm on the smaller statute um, for being an athlete, especially when there is no weight class. Uh, I excelled in weightlifting and in powerlifting because I could be with my people, um, <laughs> a whole different animal. So I would say that also has a lot to do with, I think my presence in front of the classroom and kind of how I got in, into coaching too, is being smaller, also being like female presenting is a thing. Um, yeah, and also like I'll bring up like being queer in a space is also a thing, which again is a whole nother ball of wax to step up into leadership roles. But that's a little bit of my story. Nice. Yeah, I could put you to sleep too. I like. Talk. I love it. I love it all. The microcosm, <laughs> the microcosms of the gym is my favorite as well. It's such a very true thing. though. It's a experiment. Yeah. Very, anyway. very true. Um. So. I know I think Kiefer and I both have, you know, some questions that I'm, I'm sure people would uh, be interested in, but just kind of off, off the top of things to me, um, you know, what made you both uh, want to become coaches beyond just like affiliates, you know what I mean? And, and start coaching elite athletes in CrossFit. What was kind of the catalyst there uh, for both of you? Um. I, I mean, I think it was the perfect timing. I had just gotten back. <clears throat> I had been running other people's gyms, I think, for them for a really long time. And I was competing myself. And I loved everything about it. But I think there was certain parts that I just wanted to give to people that really didn't care about the, the like, I want to get better. And so for me, it was just, can I better them as a person in the hour that they're with me? can I keep them safe so nobody hurts themselves? Um, and can they learn one thing? If they learn one thing, then that was like my, my checklist for the classes. Every class I taught, 
Um, you know, I was doing PT, I was doing CrossFit and I was also doing like sweat, sweat classes. So I would literally would take on any hours, you know, I did some programming for the gym and everything like that, but I just wanted more. Um, I had people that, you know, obviously came to me out like just on my own through it, but I wanted, I wanted a more, I wanted to coach people that wanted to be competitive because I feel like I missed that part of my life after coaching like college athletics and coaching high D one level soccer players there's something when it's like you have everything there and they just need guidance that you're like, Oh, you're so close. Let's do this. Um, and I feel like when I took on working with underdogs and kind of just having that opportunity, it allowed me to like, um, to expand my knowledge base as a coach, but also to, to have the timing of somebody looking for something, me being that someone and then building a relationship and then having, having them have the buy-in further than just an hour, that was, that was something I just definitely was looking for. And I feel like that was something that like my coaching experience had been missing uh, at that point. Yeah. And I, for, for me, it's very similar um, in some capacity, but also like, like just as like an athlete or someone who's doing CrossFit for fitness sake, there's an evolution. And I think there's also an evolution in coaching. I think when you're a new baby coach or you're like, first learning about fitness or maybe you are coming back into fitness from um, like olden times or whatever, like you're living your glory days again. Um, there is this evolution of development, I think. And so as a coach, there's definitely a development process that you go through trial and error, like in coaching and group, group settings or group classes is great. You're, you're casting a big wide net, and you're, you're gathering all these people, you're getting them to like at least row in somewhat of the same direction. But what ends up happening is like the cream rises to the top. And then that evolution or that progression of people, like they start to step up and be like, yo, I'm capable of a lot and I'm willing to do more. How can I do more? And then it's like, all right, well, speaking as an athlete who continues to evolve, not just a coach, but yeah, like, come on over. Let me show you like what, what this could look like. And then they take it on and it's just, it just keeps going up and up and up from there. And I think that it's, I wouldn't say that I would have jumped into coaching more elite athletes. I started at the base with everybody else, like just trying to go from, you know, the couch to a 5k again. And then like, and then developing and building. I'm like remembering, oh wait, I am an athlete. Oh wait. I do really like the data and the details of what it takes to be an athlete. Oh, wait, I am a problem solver. How do we keep solving more problems? And they're not even really problems. It's just how can I make you better? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, it's, I'm never going to come up with an example right now, but there's these jobs in the world where you meet somebody and they tell you what they do for work. And you're like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Or you're like, "Uh, I don't know how somebody goes from high school when they tell you that you should be, an accountant or you should do xyz to to having this job and i think that coaching outside of just a class setting or an affiliate setting doing remote coaching doing individualized coaching for a higher level is something that maybe fewer people realize is an option as a career than it is especially as a female coach and i think that stems from just the fact that we have less female coaches at high levels in every sport but i think the, the really cool thing about crossfit is that the female side of the sport is as entertaining and as popular, if not probably more than the male side of the sport is. And I think that's what leads so much room for it in our space and what makes it so exciting. And I'm hoping we see a lot more growth. I think even 
piggybacking off of that, and this is going to be my next question, was uh, as, as female coaches in the space, um, how meaningful is it to you that CrossFit, it may be the only professional sport where the prize money is equal on the men's and women's side? Ooh, I didn't um, even think about that. And, and that was something to me that I'm very proud of being a CrossFit coach uh, and always have been since the beginning. Um, but uh, but I think it's, it's you know, you guys would be looking at it from, from a completely different perspective. So my next question is how meaningful is that to you uh, being a professional coach in a sport where the, where the prize purses are the same for men and women? Did you just steamroll my comment and question? I did. I mean, mine was so <laughs> much better. But, you know, I actually put a little thought into this prior to this uh, podcast. You were, I think you're still recovering from the hair being done and it's clouding the brain. At the moment. So. Uh, I want to I jump in. I'm going to get really, really short, but like jump into a little bit. And it's, I think it might stir the pot kind of um, to Keeper's point. Let's stir it. Stir it. I, I, I have data. I have research and data on some of these things, and I can go really offhand with it, but I'm not. But the Kiefer's original question is was um, about how do we feel about the, like the women to men ratio, or like even just stepping up into these roles. I think some of the things have to, do, or even in women's sports versus men's sports in general, that come. I want to say like there hasn't been a lot of room for women to get involved in sports period. So I, part of my historical data is the, there was the first women's allowance for weightlifting was in 2000 at the Olympic level. Women were not allowed to lift at the Olympic level until 2000, 23 years ago. They were in, and this is from the IWF cited website. Like you can fact, fact check me or correct me, they were allowed on different levels. So I think right now is like women coming in, I think are a little more competitive. So back to that excitement piece, like we are trying to prove something big time. And then men have, it's they, they've been around, they've been doing this for, for however long it'd be like, like, let's go, right? Like we've got since, to since ancient Rome, <laughs> like birth, right? Like it, 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 there's always something. Yeah. Since ancient Rome, you're always having to prove something, but there's also a little bit of, I think, laxity in that. And I, I don't want to say women are not um, gracious or humble or they, they are, they very much are, but they, when it comes down to business, they are focused, laser focused. Men are too, but they've, they, to me, the demeanor feels a little more relaxed and a little more like team friendly, even at an individual sport. But I think I don't want to cut you off, but you just made a really good point. Um, like there's a sort of hunger that, and you know, even this in the microcosms of your gym, if you look at your normal female athletes that come in, there's always, I, I feel like there's, there's like a grid and it's like happy to be there or like hungry to be there. And it's like, I always see, you know, and it's like, you offer that, hey, oh, that's great. You just did 10 toes to bar. Let's see if we can do 12 next time. And some people are like this. And then other other females are like, okay, thanks. That's great. And they just need a little bit of a boost in that regard. And I feel like with the sport, there's that. Because if you're in the gym, you feel like there's certain female athletes um, that, that rise to the top that feel like they have that hungry aspect where they almost need to prove a point. And I don't know if it's just personality intrinsic based on what they did before coming into a CrossFit space, 
Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I can't say that myself, but like, I, I definitely think that that that's there and that's part of the sport and whether that was created, like just because of the environment, um, or not, but I, you know, I, again, that was, that was a really, I think, good point that you brought up. <clears throat> I think, and to, on top of that, you know, um, my wife and I, like, I, you know, I was like, I was thinking about this, like really deeply thinking about this. And one of the questions um, that we battered around together is like, do you have to be a great athlete or certified up to be considered a good or great coach? So not only like having that huge prize purse in CrossFit is awesome and equal pay has been a, a, you know, an age old debate from like even our women in soccer to title nine that started in 1972. Like, we're, we're talking about old history, which is why I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent about my history.com research. But, you know, do you have to pose all this greatness to even be seen? And I know personally, like when I stood in front of my affiliate, again, I'm small. I don't, I look athletic, but I don't look like super like jacked up. But if you ask me, yeah, like, yeah, I got a, a almost 200% body weight back squat. But do that one more time. Do the flex. Wow. <laughs> Very intimidating. Um, like excellence. Like you have to be, there's pressure to feel excellence because you have been on, I would say on the back burner, not even on the stove for many, many years, especially academically in the job force. You couldn't even vote until 1928, right? Is that wrong? 19, hold on, back 1920, right? Like there's there's a lot of, evol and it goes back to evolution and where we're at right now. And I think the height of where we are right now is we've gone through so many phases of feminism that we're starting to become more and more inclusive with everything. And I think that this is this is it. We're in this this point where your parents have been through it. Their parents went through it. You're going through it. Some of y'all are parents right now going through it. You're letting Dog your parents, kids, yeah. You're letting your you're letting your kids do whatever they want. They're trying anything and everything. And I think that that's going to build a bigger future that will feel, I think, more equal balance. Like now you have women that are doctors. And so, no, no. In a a less historical and very simple way, it's almost like. At this point, some of it is just a time thing. And I don't mean to simplify anything, but like we talk about this with people, people use this when they compare CrossFit as a sport to basketball as a sport. And it's like, yo, basketball has been around 130 years. CrossFit's yeah. been around for, 50, you know, 16 years. And so some of these things take time. And I think that's what it is, is you have one amazing female coach in our space that then inspires a new series of women that are going to ascend to that point. And now we have, you know, four, four that I can think of, like, coaches that are coaching games, athletes having a massive impact. And I think that that just continues to spread the opportunity for it, which then also teaches more individuals that might otherwise choose a different job to be like, Oh, like this is an option. I'm going to go down this path because it's not that there's not women. They're going to be amazing coaches. I think there's a lot of really smart women that don't think that that's going to be a career that yields any financial income or success for them. So they go elsewhere. Yeah. So it takes for somebody to choose the path for now more people to be like, okay, I want to dig in on this because I can have an impact here too. Well, I think just even looking at the sport in general, and it's not like I wish CrossFit had to like, like saying like, if you are a CrossFit female athlete, like you should be paying your dues. But like, when you compare it to like soccer and the fact of like in the 1990s, like 
these women were out totally on the streets trying to get anyone to come to their game and that the men were getting paid so much money. And like, I worked, I worked for a couple of the women from the, like the 1990 team out in California, like Julie Foudy, uh, a bunch of them. And like, just getting to hear their stories of the journey with that. And then thinking about how much work went into them. Like they're just finally getting equal pay in some regards. And even then, like, If I wanted to play, like, it was sad because for most female college players, when you played your last college game, it was like, "Ah, emotions, I'm done, it tears, and you could be the best. But there's only, like, 20 spots on the U.S. national team. Odds are of going overseas to play, still not a lot of money. There wasn't as many opportunities. So, like, but with guys, it's like, oh, I can go play, get paid to the summer, even semi-pro. When I went and played semi-pro, I was working my ass off. I think if I got a meal, I was stoked. Like, I was like, oh, my God, that's great. You brought, like, whatever. Oh, Nutri-Grain bars at the field for breakfast. Thank you. You know, and, like, just that comparison. And then thinking about even where CrossFit started, like, the starting point, like, that's massive. That's that's decades of progression without even, like, having to, like, sweat and suffer. Not saying that it's not sweaty. Like, you look back at the old videos and you're like, oh, man, this is raw footage of people, like, really just starting off competing. But there was none of that, like, please come and watch me. Like, it happened organically, I think, within the environment and stuff like that. But so it's, it's, I think it's a massive deal that female and male athletes get paid the same because I feel like then for the development of adding more female coaches to the space, it's going to be less time than when you look at other sports that now have dominant female coaches, um, you know, it, it, that it's taken so many decades for them to actually be there and be getting you know, publicity and, and just notoriety in their, in their sport of being a dominant coach. So, it, I mean, it's exciting for in, in that way for me, for CrossFit, I think. Well, all right. So, here, so here's my question. This continues on the path of Justin's comment about the equal pay pieces. Do you think that CrossFit pays out equally on the men's and women's side because of the representation and the viewership that we have on either side? Or do you think that the representation and viewership is the same because of the equal pay on either side? Like, which came first? Why is it that way? Because it's not that way in other sports. And I would be hard-pressed to assume that CrossFit was just like, we should do this equally. They obviously saw that there was as much interest in the side. Where do you think that comes from? And do you think that that's intentional? I think it... I don't... Because it's grown exactly equally every... I hate to say that I hate to say it I like and I don't know if this is accurate or not if it's just my feeling from like when I was an outsider looking in but I feel like um almost just the fact of like female athletes doing something and like um not not a sexualization of the sport but I feel like there's something where it's like oh my god female like working out doing this and like they're in not wearing that much clothes again like it comes down to that part of things where I think like that that can't help but to be noticed. And I, and I, I think that like either if that's viewership or popularity or notoriety, I feel like it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. I could be way off. No, I think that's a, I think it's a very valid point. And what I would say is what I consider elite CrossFitters to be are essentially modern day superheroes. The things that they can do are incredible. And, and I think the fact that you've got, uh, and, you know, listen, the the history of fitness, right, the, the majority of it has been male dominated. But the fact that you have 
women in CrossFit that are doing things that are as or more impressive than men, um, it's a spectacle. There's no question. And the fact that the majority of these people are very attractive. I mean, let's be honest, the athletes on both sides are very attractive. They've got incredible physiques. They look like Greek gods, right? Like, and they're doing these amazing things. I, 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 without question, think that that's a huge part of it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that it's the human body being celebrated. Now, some people are going to celebrate it in a different way than others. But, you know, uh, us looking at it, you know, and, and looking what these people can do, it's it's mind blowing. It defies all the logic and all the history of, you know, quote unquote, like what is what is uh, what has been like accepted or defined in fitness, right? Like either you're super strong or you can, you know, run long distances really fast or you can do, but you can't do all these things together. That doesn't happen. And now you're seeing not only men, but you're seeing women do it and doing it at an incredibly high level and defying all the laws of, of fitness. And, uh, you know, the fact that they're all really good looking and wearing very little clothes, I just think adds to you know that the allure of this incredible thing that's happening um which is why crossfit just like f1 needs a reality tv show on on netflix to blow this thing up the way that f1 was blown up this is a whole different topic all right but so anyway, I, I, let's I'm go we need to professionalize this thing big sponsors big question. everything lots of money let's go <laughs> All right. If you Next. had to put a reality TV show together, who would your athletes be that you would have? You have six athletes. Who are no. your six athletes? We Why can't not? Do this. this is Let's too go, far skater, off base. skater boy. No, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. We don't need anybody else. We got Kiefer now with this hair. <laughs> Might be one of the coaches, obviously. People. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother topic and a whole nother. Uh, you guys podcast. can you guys can bring Dakota back for that we'll, one. Okay. We'll talk about this one on the side. We'll skip that. I think, I think that there has been some. There is a little bit of sexualization in sports. Like there, there always is. I um, when you said you know like wearing next to nothing, I immediately thought about like powder puff football and how big that was at one point. That's long. a little different. It is a little different, but I mean, they got the lights, they got the turf, they got the jersey, they got the pads, they got the money. Maybe, maybe not that much Ish. money. Got some. No. I, my gut, and I don't know if this is right or wrong or accurate or not, but my feeling is that it's kind of like, I think it was probably just the easiest thing to do, is split it down the middle. Yeah. Because Reebok came in and they were like, "Here's forty-two million dollars." Do with it what you will over this course of however many years. And I think that even the evolution of the pot changed or it grew, mm -hmm. right? So I think it was just easier to keep it 50-50, less fuss, right? I don't know. That's my two cents. But it's kind of like an actually a really, I don't want to call it an accident, but like maybe not completely forthcoming. Yeah. Forethought, forethought involved in it and be like, oh, shit, actually. Right. This is great because we just did something good, but I don't know if they thought about it that way. Or All right, I, want, I can see that. I can agree. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of agree too, but I just thought it was a good transition of that topic of it. It's like, oh, we were like, hey, like this sport has equal play. I'm like, I don't think that they thought of it that way. I think they just said like winners, you get this much and everybody yeah. else gets the rest. But if they didn't think about it, you know, that that's also good in a sense too. Because then they, it's just showing the fact that oh, they, they're equal and I'm, we don't have to think about it. We're just putting it right down the middle. Yeah. Just as yep. hard, making just as many sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Every It's a just, just, just. And I also think it's arguable that since the beginning of the sport that you can, you can absolutely, I, I would say, 
probably two to three times uh, the amount of female stars in the sport than there are male stars. Right. Well, no that was going to. I want to. I want to deter topic back to actual coaching, but I was going to say there's probably an argument to be made that if it was based on actual viewership of the sport in each division, the female side potentially could be making more money than the men's. Yeah. Uh, but back to coaching. What has been since you guys transitioned, since both of you transitioned primarily to doing remote coaching, working more with athletes, whether that's at a higher competitive level or just somebody that wants individual focus in or outside of their gym, what's the biggest challenge about it? Uh, maybe in general, maybe as being a female coach, I know from my perspective, like one, one of my thoughts is what I see is that it, it seems to me as if it's harder to get male clients to buy into working with a female coach unless they have a previous relationship with them. So I don't want to put thoughts in y'all's mouths, but that was my first thought with it. I think that's a great question. I'll, let me piggyback and I'm going to add one thing to that and then Did you guys can cover it both. Yeah. Did but it again. You didn't it, even let me have my well, listen, because your point is it, it actually is like, it's a perfect segue to what I was going to ask, which was um, to increase the popularity of elite female coaches, right. Of the coaches that you're seeing coaching, podium or or you know big time games athletes do you think it's going to be imperative that a female athlete coaches an incredibly high level male athlete because we, we see it right now does. on the women's side but, jeff adler's coach his wife yeah and also michelle latondra yep. with pat's with, coach with patrick absolutely yep. and so, roman's translator do we Not think his coach. we don't know we have no idea what she does do we do we <laughs> think that that's that that's something that's going to continue to you know up I, I would say, not say enable, but something that's going to make it more popular for more and more elite women's coaches to coach elite male athletes. I think anyway. it's that to, to answer Justin's question immediately. I think it's going to come down to trust, trust in a big name that comes with your coaching abilities. Um, that's my opinion. Like right off the bat is I, it's trust. That's what it comes down to. Honestly, it's like, I look at, I'm not to not to simplify it, but like programming is like chicken. It's just how good are you at cooking chicken, right? And I and love that analogy. Anybody, I love that you can teach anybody except for Kyra to cook chicken. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to this anyway. Don't worry. Well, I was gonna say. Hopefully, she's in the middle of practice right now. Not everybody can be a great coach. You can also be a great programmer, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great coach either. Amen. Right. I say and, that all the time. And I think when you get into trying to do both at the remote level, <clears throat> I immediately thought of like ghostwriting. Hmm. Your female element is almost taken out and you are writing a script to follow and the belief or the trust comes from the outcome. So I think that to stand in front of a group class and coach I think is way more difficult and more challenging than to actually write from a remote standpoint, because there is an element of we'll call it womanness because it's not necessarily feminine, right? Maybe it is a little, it just depends on the day, but some of that affect is removed because that language, that body language, that size, that voice, that softness is removed. And it's now it's just like, I want you to do 50 pull-ups strict with a 20-pound weight vest strapped to your fucking back, and I don't care how long it takes, you're going to get it done. But if I stand in front of a class and I'm like, all right, everybody, 
like, what? I'm not doing that. And I'm like, you will do that. No, it's just a little different. I think that there's, there's a, there's a, uh, what do you call it? The man behind the curtain, the wizard. Marionette. No, the Oz. Like Oz. I don't know. The facade, you know, I don't know. There's a puppet master. Puppet master. I don't know. I would go back. Theater is not my thing. Ghost writing. Ghost writing happen. Yeah. To me, that's, I feel, I feel confident, period. Like when I write programming, I feel confident when I coach. However, it's, it's perceived. Mm-hmm. I think what is perceived in person is different than what is perceived on paper. I think uh, to your opposite of that, it's also like, um, I remember the first CrossFit class I coached in person and the first um, ego-driven male athlete that thought he, he's my favorite though. Cause I go, Ooh, I'll break you. Um, I know everything. I played college athletic or whatever it is you put, there's five scripts that usually would come out and then you just go, oh, okay, cool. So you're going to do that. All right, cool. Yep. Never done kipping. Okay, good. That's great. Yep. Let's see what happens. And the, you know, so there's that side of things, which I think when I first started coaching CrossFit was very difficult because I just had to, uh, it was like putting a puzzle piece together that you didn't have all the pieces and they were almost like uh, turned upside down. So you're putting it together <laughs> from the dark side, not the, the one with the picture. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. <clears throat> but I think with remote, w- with remote coaching, I don't want to hide the fact that there are aspects of me as a female coach that will make you as a male coach be better just because you're viewed as male and I'm viewed as female. There's parts that I'll start off with and I'll lead with. Like, how do these situations make you feel? How do you feel when you, um, when you're failing in the middle of a workout, like questions like that, where I don't think maybe that's your, your necessary template for, um, like bait, like your, your, you know, your week one template of training for a new athlete, you know, where it's like, I want to understand what your mind is doing. Um, you know, and, and maybe other coaches aren't doing that female or male in that capacity, but like, I feel like me caring to that standard or that standpoint for, for those athletes, especially male athletes, some are either like shocked. I think that I'm asking them, some will give me make one or two word answers, (laughs) but then, uh, but then once they get to know me as a female coach, coaching them, a male, I think that they're more used to it. And then it breaks through other things that maybe at the time they weren't ready to realize about themselves as an athlete, because maybe they've only been coached by a male. I don't know. Maybe no one else asked them those questions as, as male coaches. So I think that the opposite, like for me, that's always something that I try to embrace from the beginning without, of course, knowing that like the programming is going to stand on its own and that's going to guide them. But like those little conversations, maybe that's what they were missing or that was what they needed. Mm-hmm. And to, to your point, Colette, I think that that's also um, a female's coach superpower is to be able to ask those more uh, maternal questions or more like feeling thoughtful questions. But it's, but it's true. It's like, you do get to a level or to a point and it's, you can you tap into that part of the psyche or to that part of the brain or, or or even with that level of performance, because there are feelings that come along with that and care. And I think that that is a superpower, like, or an advantage too. I think, I think what it is, is there's like a, there's a volume issue. 
Meaning like there are so many male coaches in the spaces and a vast majority of them came into the space because they were athletes. They look, they want to prove themselves. They like to be an alpha. They like to do all of these things. And so you get so many that don't really have the soft skills that it's like an assumption that male coaches don't. Um, when obviously a lot of female coaches do, whereas like, I would say that that's one of Justin's strongest suits as a coach also, which is not to say that it's not a female superpower too, but it's like, it's a superpower of a very high quality coach. It doesn't have to be male or female or something. It's just, there are so many loud voices in the room that it's hard to be seen. And I think that people make a, a, an inaccurate assumption that like coaches just have to be this authoritative, authoritative figure when that's not that's not the way you guide people, you know? Yeah. And I would say, you know, I, I think that one of the, you know, I think that one of the things that makes a great coach is understanding that you can't treat everybody the same. So, you know, if, and I think a lot of people, you know, they, it takes a while for them to learn that. Right. You come from a specific system or a specific background and it's kind of like, well, this is the way I was taught. This is the way it has to be. And I think once you learn that, you know, especially in this sport, um, you know, with the different personalities and some people who respond to tough love and, and some people who respond more to, you know, compassion and having their uh, your hand all, around their back all the time, that once you learn those things, um, you know, this is getting a little bit off topic, but I think it, it kind of is related to what we were just discussing. And I think I've, I feel like over the years, it's been something that that I've been able to cultivate very well is under, is 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 that understanding of that, because I think at the beginning of my career, you know, a long freaking time ago um, that I, I wasn't the best at that, you know, that that I that I did. I did make some mistakes in the way that, that I treated people because I treated one person too similarly to the way the other and one person responded and the other one, I basically broke them, you know? And, and I mean like mentally, emotionally, right. I didn't get the best out of them because the, of the, of the things that I said or, or the way that I tried to motivate, which was just incorrect. Uh, and I think, you know, those experiences that you go through, whether you're male or female, it's, it's really, um, being willing to to learn and listen and make mistakes and understand that you don't know everything. And and once you do all those things, you know, whether you're a male or a female coach, I, I think then that creates the superpower. I think that creates the ability to, like you were talking about before, Alicia, like trust, you know, it, it enables someone to trust you when 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 you know how to speak to them and how to treat them, especially in the most stressful environments during competition on competition day, et cetera. You know, all those things are, are massive when it comes to the coach athlete relationship, which is what we've been hiring for more and more. The, like the further on we get, it's, it's not a miss. It's not, what, how do I say? It? It's not intentional that we have like three female coaches of the last six that we've hired. It's because y'all have the best coaching skill sets for what we believe is most accurate. Like if somebody doesn't have as much programming experience at an elite level, that's fine. We can teach all this stuff, but we can't teach somebody how to be a leader, how to connect with people, how to do all the things that we have realized are most important for coaching remotely, coaching in person for all of these things. Yeah, I think that, and I think that that is probably a separator that makes a great coach is the, I'll, I'll call it like feminine masculine energies. Like just because you are male or female, you can possess both things. And um, being able to shape shift for that individual person, I think, is part of what makes 
everyone, great coaches, you're able to, to rise to the occasion or pull back for certain individuals or be intuitive enough to feel like, oh, like maybe this talk is not working from them and to change the dialect to bring them back in or make them feel grounded or balanced. I think Colette, like reading your, uh, your doc, I think, you know, you said one of your strong suits is being able to balance it all or but maybe even a harder aspect of what being a coach is. I think just in general is being able to manage all the expectations or all the emotions and all the feelings. I'm stealing think, the shape shift thing. That was very cool. Yeah. I, like it. I like the way to describe that. That was very good. I'm stealing that. People, you know, like ask me what my favorite color is. And I said, like, whatever an octopus is. <laughs> yeah. They literally it's just try to blend it to yeah. every environment that they come into. Love and it, it. yeah, if you're a rock, I'm a rock. <laughs> water. I'm only laughing because Bodhi just went to the aquarium today and I was like, which one did you love? He was like the octopus. Nice. It took the shape of that. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. But um, no, that's a, I think that's a really good point. Like <clears throat> I think earlier on in my coaching career, especially with soccer and stuff, it's like I felt like I had to be more than I felt like I had to like go above and beyond, like 120%. Like I always was there early and I always stayed late. But I think no matter what gender I, w- I was, I would have done that because of how my dad raised me and just everything. But like um, you know, I think at that point, like there came a, an age, I think it might've been somewhere between <laughs> Bodie, Maverick and Bruce and losing my shit where I just stopped saying sorry, uh, or at least try to stop saying sorry, because I felt like I was always apologizing for the things I couldn't take on the tasks I couldn't take on and do the extra things I would love to be part of and do. Um, and like, I, I had to check myself and stop apologizing for those things because I was trying to be more than because I've always been, especially, you know, more, so I, I guess I don't pay attention to it as much in CrossFit because there are more female athletes, but I think when you are a female athlete and there's only male coaches or when you are a female coach and there's only male athletes around, like, um, you know, and I think especially for me, the last couple of years, like when I've been managing and coaching gyms, like it's been with me and Kelly. And so it's always been like, I've lived in an opposite world where it was more female dominant and people would come and be like, what the fuck is up with you guys? And it, 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 I loved it because I never had that in my coaching career. Um, and so I think like, you know, that was something I tr- I try to keep myself in check with because it, at the end of the day, your product speaks for itself. Your care speaks for yourself. Your, your programming or your coaching speaks for itself, no matter like, you know, what gender you are in that, in that regard. So Keith, that was my tangent. Yes. Do you have another question? No, I'm riding the wave. I I'm have like a you. I'm not going off my bulleted list. I'm listening to the conversation. I, I, they're just popping in my in my head, just popping yeah. into the dome. Well, there's no hair on the top, so it's easy I, for I, things to pop. Exactly, <laughs> especially when it's not in dyed platinum. All right, um, all right. Listen, so, I got a lot of positive comments about. I'm the just hair. kidding. It looks very nice. It just looks very nice. The two of us at semis. When there's a photo of us in the crowd, you're going to be like, "Dang, I'm glad you did this." <laughs> anyway, anyway, why? I don't know. All right. Um, I, I just curious. Um, and, and this obviously is, I think is ever evolving because I, I know when I look back, um, you know, when I first started and, and what my short-term, long-term goals were, they, they changed over the years, depending on, you know, when I started an affiliate and then when I started coaching elite athletes and then when, you know, started coaching athletes that were performing well, et cetera. But I would say if, if you could pick, you know, if you look at your, your, uh, your career as a coach, um, 
and you don't have to go crazy with this, but if, if I'm a big, like goal setting type of, of person, I, I think it's very important to do that. Um, can you name one goal that you have um, that you would like to accomplish as a coach in this sport? And it can be as simple as, you know, like helping someone or, but I would love to know for you, like as a coach, what, what to you um, is a, is a goal, whether short-term or long-term um, that that's important to you to achieve. Hmm. I'm going to need a second on this. You don't want to go, you don't want to go Alicia. I see that face. You want me to go? <laughs> no, I, I'm just, I'm thinking, I think that that, I mean, it's a great question. I think it's a, it's a tough question. It's the simplest ones are always the toughest. Um, I think, short term, like, I'm going to call it short term, maybe superficial would be to take someone to higher level, like semis, the game level, I think that that would be an, an awesome feat. Um, and I think the long term would be to develop somebody to start to, to be good to have that trust and to watch them evolve or, or grow um to change to shape shift to keep wow. going and uh, like the great part about i think coaching and virtually coaching it's uh you could do i can do this until i can't short term long term same thing but different colette you're up i think uh you know the same it's like i hate to say I want to get, you know, I want a games athlete, but like, I really think that, it, you know, in approaching this, I ne that never was my goal. I just want progression. Like for you as an athlete for each, I have so my clients I have are so different. There's similar goals for some, but they're so different each one of them. So with each one of them, I feel like I'm working on a different aspect, whether it be a mental aspect, whether it be a gymnastic skill, whether it be a lifting or just like a mindset and approaching hard things. So for me, it's like, there are certain, you know, there are a few that I'm like, okay, yeah, you've been with me for a while and you're, and you're close. Like, can, can next year be our year to make it to a semifinal? Um, but I think like, for me, even in saying that, I feel bad for some, like my athletes that, I, that I, they're not, closer to that goal, but they've improved way more. And it's the same kind of analogy I gave to like when I would coach CrossFit classes and like the number one movement that people would just hate. It's like either overhead squat or snatching. And I was like, I love coaching that, you know, and for somebody that would struggle with the overhead position, I was like, listen, because, you know, okay, let's get a PVC pipe. All right. But move, like I would tell them, I'm like, you move from a PVC pipe to a barbell without hurting yourself and by feeling better, moving better, that's a bigger PR to me than somebody that already has good overhead mobility and they're overhead squatting 200 pounds. I don't care about that person. Like this to me is the win. And so I feel like whenever those situations are approached, so even if you're an elite athlete, but you have a mental block, or if you're an elite athlete and you really struggle with one aspect of your game, like gymnastics or conditioning, like to me, that is the challenge. That is the fun. Like that's where it begins for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I will say like long-term with this, it's, it's growing that it's, it's, I look at when I first started, even with you guys to where I am now, just mentally as a coach and my understanding with certain aspects and different situations that have presented me like no, no one person is the same. So the fact that I get to, to have a variety of athletes that aren't the same, that are different, and that I know that that will never change, like moving forward, like you'll always have different people. 
uh, Bruce wanted to make a guest appearance on the show. <laughs> <laughs> he broke in. Love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's long term. Like that's, I know that it will never get boring or never never get old in that way because people are always changing and people are different. Colette, did you think when you started with us that you would be traveling to Asia to coach one of your athletes at a semifinal there this year? No, no. and I'm I'm excited, but I'm still waiting for confirmation on that. But I'm excited. We had a good message. message. We messaged back and forth all the time on WhatsApp, and I was just dying. I'm like, don't worry. I'm like, either way, if it works out, great. Otherwise, I was planning on staying up all night. I'm on the phone with you because, like, no. you know, so, yeah. But 100%, like I told Leisha, I was like, I feel like a badass, but reality is, it's like, that's just luck. It's how it goes. And I, and, and she's, she's it's, awesome. It's time and work and opportunity. And yeah. that's it's, luck. It's, it's, well you can't call it luck because luck takes away the work that you put into it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But she's, she's a stud. So it's, it. I, I would love to, like I said to her, I would love to be there to support you, especially like knowing how close she is going to be and how close it's going to be and that she's going to be by herself. So like the mom and me is like, Oh, Please don't be there by yourself. Right. Like, but yeah. Well, uh, I hate to be the party pooper of this, but I actually have to log off in a second, partly because my dog is crying at me and partly because I have somewhere <laughs> I have to go. But y'all can certainly stay on. Uh, but this is fun. This is any, awesome. Any closing thoughts on things? Um, I, Hit it, Alicia. I know you got it. I Just a little bit. The gap is closing on male to female joining in on like the CrossFit game stuff. And I think it's gonna start, it's it's happening in our team divisions. I think that's really cool. I did the stats on our age group stuff. Love it. Let me just say this. I'll start. So masters starts at 35 to 39. There's a men to women disparity of 987 men to women. The teams, 14 to 15, nine. Yeah, that's awesome. 16 to 17, four. That's crazy. Yeah, really cool. And this, that, that, that's that evolution. Yeah, and this feeds right into what you were talking about is, is there's a time component to this. The evolution of it is like it's coming, uh, and we just have to continue to, to talk about it and to foster it yeah. and to embrace it. Happening. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, this has been awesome. We could do this a lot longer, but apparently um, Kiefer's the fun police. So we're going to end it now. <laughs> Listen, my daughter needs me right now. If you could see, she's uh, staring at me from the other room, sitting there. She's just, like this. Whining under. Yeah, she, just like this. She's the most diesel one on this call. Oh, Billy, she is diesel. That's definitely true. <laughs> uh, no, this has been fun. Thanks so much for, for jumping on, and, and hopefully we'll be, be able to do it again soon. Yes. Yeah, this was great. It was good to see everybody. Bye, guys. Thank Stroke. you. Stroke, save us from the awkward goodbye.